Welcome to the Bourbon Library, hosted by the Bayless Brothers. A spirited conversation always served neat as barrel proof of our family bond. Grab a glass. The episode starts now. In the winter of 1907, a decade before the Volstead Act would thrust a drunk America into prohibition, a notorious defense attorney, perhaps with some liquid courage, was swimming in Lake Michigan. George Remus, a competitive endurance swimmer, set a new record that day, five hours and 40 minutes in the freezing cold water. He would remain in hot water, legally speaking, for the coming decades. It should be no surprise that this is the same man who designed the transitory insanity defense. More on Mr. Remus after I tell you what makes the Bourbon Library possible. Bourbon has a weathered history, always tinged with elements of hardship, followed by excess. When bourbon goes big, it goes really big. A hundred years ago, America was drunk, really drunk, and war-weary. The Volstead Act put the kibosh on legal boozing, resulting in a rise of criminal enterprises that was both romanticized and demonized. Major players in the bootlegging game, like Al Capone and George Remus, used big payoffs, violence, and legal maneuvering, creatively interpreting the laws to build their empires. We know this as medicinal bourbon. In fact, during Prohibition, Someone could go to the doctor and be prescribed one pint of bourbon every 10 days. Despite 13 years of prohibition hardship and a 50-year gap, bourbon is doing all right for itself. There was a story a couple days ago about something about 10 million barrels, I think is what they said. That exists right now? Yeah. Wow. Whiskey and rickhouses, it's amazing. And they say they're hedging their bets. Still don't think of it as a glut, right? As too many, that there's that much popularity and they don't see it waning at any time. Reports from 2020 say that nearly 10 million barrels of bourbon are resting comfortably in Rick houses across Kentucky, the highest since 1968. That's a lot of juice and there's a lot more coming. Drinking whiskey <laughs> and even more to, to the point, drinking bourbon is a very American thing. Yes. And, and so maybe it's a statement of, of nationalism, right? Perhaps. You know? I, I was going to say it's a, it's a, uh, it's a signifier of depression, but. <laughs> yeah. Hey, I'm thirsty. So I got New York. What bottle are we doing? We're drinking George Remus from MGP. George Remus, the bootlegger, was a complex character. He was born in Germany, came to America as a child, and became a defense attorney, and eventually climbed his way to the top of the Prohibition-era bootlegging empire, helping to define the Roaring Twenties. George had his eyes set steadily on the American dream, and that led him to a life of crime. And quoting directly from georgeremus.com, as well as the Volstead Act. When United States Congress passed the Volstead Act, George studied the act for loopholes, he would find his loophole in Title II, Section 3 of the Act, which states that nothing in this act shall prohibit the purchase and sale of warehouse receipts covering distilled spirits on deposit in government-bonded warehouses. 
Now that he could purchase pre-Volstead Act bonded liquor, he needed to find a way to distribute it to the wanting masses. That's when he discovered his second loophole, entitled to Section 6. Quote, No one shall manufacture, sell, purchase, transport, or prescribe any liquor except that a person may, without a permit, purchase and use liquor for medicinal purposes. Using his pharmaceutical knowledge, George knew physicians prescribing liquor would need to buy it from somewhere. That somewhere would be drug companies George would purchase or start. His ingenious plan would be to legally deliver large quantities of his bourbon to his own drug companies, then hijack his own shipments, diverting the juice into his budding bootlegging empire. End quote from GeorgeRemus.com. Hmm. I guess they say innovation drives capitalism. How'd you guys find out about George Remus? And like, why did, why did it stay on your radar after having it? Well, I, I found it at Costco, the Remus repeal. I looked, I, I looked at it and it was like, Oh, this is an MGP product. So I actually went home, <laughs> looked up on the internet, just looked, read a little bit about it and thought this, this would be really good. And it's, it was, it's 12 year old, right? Mm-hmm. And it's two different mash bills of 12 year old bourbon blended. And I kind of, I, I couldn't resist. I didn't know if we were going to uh, isolate one Remus or not. So I, I started with the uh, 94 proof and figured I'd work my way up. So I think you, you <laughs> should do, I mean, whatever bottle fits your fancy, but I'm doing the Remus repeal. That's what I have at home. Oh, I'm, already drink, I'm already drinking. I didn't know. We were. What are you drinking? I've got the repeal as well, because these are the ones that we had doubles of. Okay. And this was a uh, yeah, gift right. from you guys. Right. That's the, that's the sweet juice. It's, uh, IV. You're supposed yes. to intravenous it. <laughs> no, no, no. no. The, I mean, um, that's, a, that's a four. I have the I series was, three. I was prepared oh, for you have the three? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What do I have here? You have the four. I have the four? Well, one of us has three, oh, yes. one of us has four, and if I have three. What does that guy mean? The IV, right? Four. That's there. That's four. Minus okay. I get it now. Um, do you know uh, Roman numerals? No, man. Yep. I, barely, I barely know how to write in cursive. The bourbon lineup is George Remus Straight Bourbon. Remus Repeal, Series 1 to 4. Single barrel cask strength and Volstead Reserve. I just had a piece of dark chocolate and then finished it with a sip of this stuff. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Holy cow, man. That's your move. That is amazing. Oh, that is... I know. I get a lot of tobacco on the palate. Yeah. So, all right. Butterscotch. Mm-hmm. I'm going to yeah. go with the three first then. Yeah, do that. And then I want to have more than one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like getting a lot of stuff right now. I remember the three is being very, a lot of complexity to it. Mm, it's delicious. Yeah, that's really good. 2019. The Remus Repeal mm-hmm. Reserve Series 3. Is their 2019 release made up of, as you said, three different bourbons, right? Three different mash bills, a 2017 21% rye. 2017 or seven? I mean, 2007, sorry, thank you. Because it's 11 and 12 year old bourbon at this point in 2019. That's crazy. Yeah, so 2007 bourbon. 21% rye, 2008 bourbon, 21% rye. So that's probably the same Nashville. The series four is 77% the low rye and 23% the high rye. Mm. 
where the 2019 Series 3 is 90% low rye, 10% high rye. Mm. All right, so, so we're having something, we're having a different right? bite. Yeah, definitely. Mine is very spicy. I don't mean to backtrack, but this 94 proof stuff that I just finished. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's delicious. It's amazing. Yeah. Wait, yeah. Is that, that's George, which, the George Remus? What is that? That's just an everyday $26 a bottle or $30 yeah. a bottle, whatever it is. Yeah. Everyday George Remus. Yeah, this is a bottle I'm, ne- I'm never going to, I'm barely going to drink. <laughs> I'm just gonna keep it and stare at it and know that like special occasions and drink it. It's so good. I I really like it. Well, you know what I oh, also yeah. I like about both the, that series. Okay, is so that series is relatively new, right? The 2020 was the fourth year. In Got that, it. But the the look where they where they uh, proof it at 100 proof, right? Yep. It's like that magic that magic sweet spot, I guess, huh? Mm-hmm. It's like enough heat for me and it's not too much like i do love those barrel proofs and those cast strengths and they are like really nuanced not nuanced but they're very like powerful flavor profiles but this hundred proof complex yeah and like you really can taste all those things but sometimes it's a little too hot like you know it's almost like acid reflux to drink some of those super high proofs like this 100 is just high enough and not uh, you know, not too low. The hundred to me says that they're committed to flavor when it's, you know, I, I mean, yeah. Cause they're not watering it down too much. Yeah, They are still watering it down. To, yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. But just enough where they're like committed to. And I think when you do a hundred proof inevitably, I think you want to, cause I, I see it as the competition entry, but like you want to be able to compete with the bottle and bonds as far as like flavor stuff goes and how people perceive, I, perceive it. I, I found it interesting, Alec, that you picked up on the the leatheriness in this one. The leather, I, you know, I didn't know what that was for a long time. Uh huh. Um, and it's just, it's just, I've just been like, it's almost like I saw the, I saw like a set of words, and now I'm like, oh, that's, you know, they like sell those kits or whatever, so you can like smell things, and you're like, oh, that's what I'm tasting. And there are right. certain, you know, flavors that are happen often in bourbons and whiskeys and it's like i've never really known what that flavor was but like if i think of leather like the way it smells or if um Mm -hmm. or if you know it's uh taking it's like holding a ball in my mouth that that wraps Mm -hmm. around my head (laughs) i know what leather tastes like you know you know, <laughs> and, and, and the way it stings the skin. Right. But, and you know that you're supposed to say yes, daddy afterwards. Yeah. Yes, daddy is right. At his height, George Remus moved to Cincinnati to avoid rival Chicago gangs and to be closer to the bonded bourbon inventory. He employed over 3000 people, including politicians and law enforcement on his payroll. He'd hijack his own trucks and store the illicit juice on a farm nicknamed Death Valley on the outskirts of town. But eventually the law caught wind of his large operation, and the feds closed in. He was arrested in October 1921 and charged with 3,000 violations of the Volstead Act, which led him to prison for a small stint, just two years. While in prison, he would reveal to an undercover agent that his wife was hiding his fortune. The officer would go on, 
to seduce George's wife, encouraging her to hide the money from Remus and divorce him, leaving George with only $100 to his once vast fortune. During the divorce trial, George would ram the car carrying his wife to the court and shoot her to death. He pleaded, yes, you guessed it, to transitory insanity, earning him only seven months in an insane asylum before being released on a legal technicality. So, so your dad has four of a kind in his house, but I have a full house because I have series two as well. Oh, damn. Yeah. You so know, are you guys he, noticing a lot of difference in the series? Yeah. Uh, I wanted to break your Remus cherry with your dad, right? Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And, and that, but that would have been a, a, good, a good series to have. Isn't it nice to know from now on for the rest of our lives, we know what we can gift each other. <laughs> yeah, I know. No, I don't want anything else. I never else. have to ever think about what could I get dad? What could I get Timmy? What could I get Alan? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so speaking of that, Ryan, Father's Day is coming up and my 12 years getting low. Okay. <laughs> well, yeah, that's gone. I I've actually had a hard time finding it. Yeah. Do you find, like, when you think about it, sort of, um, I don't know if intellectually is the right way to put it, but like, is the impulse to collect, like, is it when it's a series that's collectible in that way? Is that more appealing? No, no pun intended. <laughs> is that more appealing to you than uh, an odd set of, of whiskeys? Yes. For you, yeah, yeah you're drawn for, to that for, idea. For, cer for certain brands or labels, mm -hmm. yes. And for me, the Remus, now, because I'm an Indiana boy, right? And yeah. It, yep. It's an Indiana bourbon, and it's a fine expression of bourbon. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's uh, true. I didn't think about that part of it. From the yeah. bottom up. So I got a little I got a little bit of that Indiana pride, pride. in that, right? Sure. Tim, you like keep a you're like well documented, right? You keep like a list, you know the Oh yeah, my inventory. You have an inventory list for one. You keep a and the inventory list includes the mash bill, right? Yeah, mash bill, barrel char if if I can, if I have it and if I can get it, the proof. Yeah, um, I got a, I got a chart on some things that give me the uh, proof going into the barrel. Yeah, it's I think we, need to form. <laughs> we need to yeah. nickname him Dewey. Dewey, <laughs> Dewey, Dewey Decimal? The Dewey, Dewey Decimal. Decimal system for his library. Mm -hmm. Dad, Dad, how do you organize your library? So um, <laughs> right now I have them all in groups by, uh, by the owner of the company, right? Right. So, I have Sazerac together, so Barton. Um, By parent company? Yeah, Heaven Hill, Jim Beam, you know, all those different ones. I have them mm. kind of together. Mm. Other than that, I don't keep track of them. I don't log them. Yeah. Yeah, it's just much more efficient at that. But what, and what do you think is the, well, for you to me, is it just fun or does it, you find it, I mean, you, yeah, you call it efficiency, but like, is it, What's the, what's the benefit of it for you? Uh, yeah, one, it's fun, but the other thing it's, I, you know, I'm, I'm trying to, I, when I started to do it, I was trying to figure out, is there a sweet spot, right? So like, should I be looking for this kind of mash bill? Should mm. I be looking for this kind of char? Should I be looking for this kind of proof? That makes sense. You, you know, there's research. Thing. And what I learned was there's that there's not really such a thing. Yeah. You know, what I'm coming to find, right, is there's not really such a thing. I mean, I like weeded bourbon, and I've always liked weeded bourbon. Um, 
and then I get away from it. I'm like, oh, well, this other stuff is good. And then I have weeded bourbon again. And then like when we did the weeded bourbon yeah. night, and I'm like, yeah, that's why I like weeded bourbon, you know? It, it, but so much, what you realized, I think, which is what we talk a lot about a lot, which is fun, is that it also, the, uh, the experience imparts itself in the flavor and the memory and... Uh, and also just what did you eat before? What did you have? You know, what are you going right. to, you know, all that. What is the room smell like that you're in that you're tasting whiskey? I think that's are you, another factor. Are you horny AF? Are you horny? <laughs> I think it's human. To organize. Well, human to, to, yeah. I mean, I guess organize is the word, but it's just to like. Or categorize. Categorize. Yeah. Yeah. Like whatever those are for you in your head. You know, like the way I have my bourbon library is just a bar cart, but like the top part is complete. Like it is all bourbon. Mm -hmm. And like we have the, you know, old, like an old tequila bottle. I have some bitters and like a few other random things, but like my, I had to choose what goes on top and what goes on bottom now. Mm. And I'm like taking my worst low, uh, low, you know, bottom of the shelf things and putting them on the bottom and then my top ones. And even mm. at that point, I'm putting the best ones in the, sometimes in the back. Like, so it's like the, oh yeah, pull from the back to get the, in preparation for like, for what? For but I, 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 I think for, for, for me to look at and admire. And then also to like, when people come over, I can like, go through it and sort of like walk people through like I, it's really something you want to share with people right yeah. which is well, and like so when you collect something shelf. it's what? the literal top shelf it's my yeah and and if i only have two shelves back is my top shelf so it's like yeah, yeah. The stuff in the back that you have to like reach for and, and know by the top of the bottle it's like it's it's only growing for me and like collecting is becoming a part of all of it enjoy like the enjoyment the like yeah you know, like i do this sometimes at night i'll just if i buy uh a, i'll try i'll try a brand new bottle that i've never had before and i'll just pour this much and i'll taste it and i'll think about it and no tv on nothing i'll just do that and i'll just go then i'll go to bed or whatever but mm -hmm. it's it's really become like it's a ritual a true passion and a, a ritual i've never like been this uh passionate i guess is like the general term for it but invested in something and it's only for enjoyment like i don't gain that much out of it like i'm not gonna get any money for that like i'm losing money yeah i get to drink good bourbons and talk about like it's just for pure enjoyment it's really I like what people do to relax or whatever like I'll son, taste you're, it, in, not... you're in love, son. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. You're, you're, Alec, you should give that same monologue to your sponsor. <laughs> yeah. And then tell me you love them. I've never found anything else that I love more than bourbon. <laughs> I, I really haven't. I mean, it's equivalent to a lot of like women, a lot of good things. I was going to say when I first started, right, it was just a matter of finding different bottles to try different bourbons because and really, you know, experimented like we have mm -hmm. to this point. Mm -hmm. So it was all um, experience and awakening. Mm -hmm. And then along with that came the opportunity for um, the sitting at the bar and sharing thing. 
Yeah, which is they're right in your wheelhouse. And Matt and Ralph would come over, and Ryan would come over with uh, Matt Joint and a couple of other people. That was a fun time. Right? And Devin yeah. would come over and bring Kyle, and we would sit at the bar and try different bourbons and different flights. And, you know, then it became really cool. Now it's a step above that in my mind where we've collected enough good bottles it's more a matter of sharing the experience of really, really good bourbon with more people. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Wanting to give people the experience of something higher end yeah. or like yeah. of something very tasty. Higher end or, or, or for someone to be able to come in and say, Oh, wow. I've seen that. I always want to try it. Okay. Yeah. Then let's try it. Yeah. Try I have it. that. Yeah. I have all these while you're, while you're there. Oh, you like that? Like, Try this then. Like, try this as a base for what bad whiskey is. And then that's why, like, I have some bad ones because I, I, I think right. about, like, if I were to share it with someone, like, taste this because I want you to know the difference between good and bad whiskey. It takes a while to do that, know. even, like, one and two. Like, a, you might have a sense of it the first time. But, like, you really got to start to know, like, it's good to know what to look for. And then well, you spend time finding it. It also depends on the level someone's, like, someone might be like, whiskey's my favorite spirit but they don't not like it is for us like yeah. so they might know some good they whiskey like it with their coke or their or their ginger ale like yeah know, like or Dan, I drank jack daniels right yeah and that there was a time when i first started right that buffalo trace was the only good distillery out there mm -hmm. yep and mgp they were imposters because they were sourcing their whiskey and Barton Distillery was just a little 1792 that was just okay. And Heaven Hill, you know, had a couple of good, you know, mediocre Elijah Craig, Evan Williams, right? And then it just, the, the growth from there of all these different uh, families of bourbon and taste profiles. And man, it's just amazing now how much, how much more uh, broad that window of good bourbon is the world has opened up to it more things are happening and we're getting more. Well, that's a, it's endless the amount of stuff you can learn because it's still happening. It's like educating yourself on something that is currently existing. That's evolving every second. New distilleries pop up. People are doing interesting things everywhere. So when I travel, you know, outside the country, <laughs> my big thing is what is your national dish? Feed it to me. What is your national drink or national spirit? Feed it to me, right? Yeah. And I've done that for every other country, but I never did it for the United States. And I think mm. part of it is, for me, is, I mean, I still, if you say, well, Tim, what do you drink? I drink bourbon, I drink tequila, and I, I drink beer, mm -hmm. right? But I drink beer from all over the world. And, yeah. stuff like that. and I still, like, I enjoy some other spirits, but... But, you know, if you said regularly, what would you drink or that, that's it. I think part of the thing with bourbon for me is, or coming back to bourbon and, and then enjoying it so much as one is, again, like in the, the nationalism, right? That's America, mm -hmm. it, it, you know, bourbon is something that, you know, people around the world know. Yeah. You know? yeah. <laughs> so it, it, they, they see it as. When I went around and said, what is your national drink or national spirit? Yeah. That's what ours is. Yeah. And like, I wasn't even drinking it that yeah. often. And, it's, well, and people love it. Prohibition would end in 1933. And George Remus would go on to live a quiet life for another two decades with his third wife in Kentucky.
before succumbing to a stroke. The legacy of a character like George Remus is one to wrestle with. In many ways, it's all too American. His privilege and legal know-how and access allowed him to build an empire from the ill-fated noble experiment. But he hardly paid for his criminality and violence. He lived his life with such excess that it's rumored F. Scott Fitzgerald based The Great Gatsby off of him. It's easy to romanticize the bootleggers, as we are grateful in part for their effort to undermine an overbearing government, but we must remember that the road to heaven is paid with tickets to hell. In our society, not everyone benefits from the success of a few. I can appreciate the mythology of the great whiskey thieves, as long as we recognize that it's just that, mythology. And with that, here's some final thoughts on George Remus, the bourbon whiskey. Top to bottom, I like them. I got, yeah. I, But I have to tell you, my absolute favorite right now is the um, Remus Repeal Series 4. Mm. Mm. It is my absolute favorite. That's the one I'm on. And, and I then, love it. And then the... Actually, I, I can't do that because I like the fake. I, I like it all. I love how much <laughs> I love how much you wrestle with it, Timmy. Okay. It's a top to know, bottom. I really enjoyed this. I mean, this it, is a delicious fight for me. It's so great that we're finally able to do this, even though we were all, all able to try them when we were together. It's nice that we're able to do an episode dedicated to it, considering how the last five or six episodes we've had to cut out large sections where all we were doing is talking about Remus. <laughs> uh, except that Alec and I hadn't tried it, so now we've had the good fortune of trying it. Yeah, but now you know what. what now what, I, yeah, it's interesting because it's like, it's weird. I, I had it against something the other day. I had something that was like cheap, not great. Oh, it was fine. Some, I don't know, some something have that, they have that I, bottle next to the um, Knob Creek 12 year and see mm, compare those mm. things. Well, I had something, I had something not great, and then I, I was like, I'm gonna just, I'm gonna have a little bit of the room. I didn't want to open it up because I knew we were gonna do this, but I was like, I'll have a little bit of it. And I was like, I could taste it, tasted elevated, like it tasted like it was something more and better. And I was like, oh, okay, now I get it because that was the hard part of doing we did our tastings of like the 12 years and the we did. And it's like, we tasted so many things. I had a hard time comparing kind of like, it's, I start to get oh, yeah. lost, lost in it all. Um, lost in it all. Well, I think that Reveal series four is one of those bourbons that your dad, like when he, when we were able to say, well, I taste this like stone fruit and I taste this, or I taste that, mm -hmm. that like, he could taste those different notes. Right? Yeah. Like yeah. Really, it really is distinctly layered. The Rebus is wonderful, right? All the way from the 94 proof up to the three and four repeal. What, what caused the so obsession good. for you? Why of all the bourbons you drank, why did you get so obsessed with Remus? Uh, I don't know that I'm obsessed, but it's just so delicious that you can't, you know, can't not have it. Yeah. It's got a really wonderful, sweet finish. Mm-hmm. Chocolatey, candy, butterscotch, caramel, whatever. Mm -hmm. It's that flavor profile that fits right in my wheelhouse. Mm -hmm. Devin, what do you think? Yeah, it's good. I've never, I've never drank Remus and thought, eh, never thought that. Well said, Devin. Until next time, I'm Ryan Bayless, and this is the Bourbon Library. Pick up your glasses 
put your hand to your heart, and recite after me. To drink is to live. Take good care. Thanks for listening to our show. If you like what you heard, kindly take the time to rate and review our show wherever you're listening. It will help us grow and make more episodes. Remember to follow us on Spotify and tell your friends about the Bourbon Library. Do you have a bourbon you think we should try? Let us know and we might just feature it on a future episode. And we'll be sure to give you a shout out. If you're listening from Spotify, Anchor, or Apple Podcasts, turn on those notifications so you know when we drop a new episode. All right, bourbon lovers. Until next time. To drink is to live.